2: You got to give me a bite. Can't you just let it
3: be Hi this is Kenny Loggins and you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a singer, occasional actor, a record producer, a platinum-selling and Grammy-nominated recording artist, and one of the most prolific and admired songwriters of his generation, composing hit singles like Everybody Needs Love, Save It for a Rainy Day, and one of the most popular and frequently played songs of the 1970s, On and On. His songs have been recorded by Barbara Streisand, Art Garfunkel, Eric Clapton, Steve Perry, The Four Tops, Johnny Mathis, David Crosby, and our upcoming podcast guest, Kenny Loggins and Luciano Pavarotti, to name just a few. And Phil Collins. And Phil Collins. And Phil Collins. (laughs) Shut up and let me talk. (laughs) And and he's worked alongside talents like Chaka Khan, Michael McDonald, Sting, Deion Warwick, (laughs) David Foster, Phil Collins. (laughs) Bill Collins, see, you did not interrupt me before. <laughs> sorry, it was my manager's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's written down here. And even his good friend, Carrie Fisher. He also has written songs for a number of movies, including The China Syndrome, Roadie, Unfaithfully Yours, Arthur, Mickey and Maud, Heart and Souls, Summer Lovers, The Boy Who Could Fly, The Money Pit, as well as the title song in the classic comedy National Lampoon's Animal House, a movie he also famously appeared in. He also penned the number one billboard hit and Oscar-nominated ballad Separate Lives from the film White Nights and recorded the unforgettable love song It Might Be You from the movie Tootsie. His brand new album is called We'll Talk About It in the Car. And he's also working on a memoir and documentary which hopefully he'll tell us about. And he's our second guest this evening to have appeared in 1977's Kentucky Fried Movie. Please welcome to the show a performer of multiple talents, a songwriter, songwriter, and a man who says he was once confronted by Bob Marley's wife over a song lyric that she didn't like, the very inventive Stephen Bishop.
4: The very inventive. I like that. (laughs) We also, I'm going to invent something here. We also got like the name Edison. of the we
1: we got the name of the album wrong, so we're going <laughs> to correct it. We'll talk about it later in the car. That's all right. Yes.
3: Now, That's before good. anything else, last time, and if if not, we'll have to have a different beginning. Uh, we we had Kenny Loggins on, and he had worked with Michael McDonald, and I asked him to do a Michael McDonald imitation. Can oh. you? Do a Michael McDonald imitation. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> You've
4: come to the right place. I Gil. can do
3: a lot of Im-
4: imitations. I'm really good at imitations. Okay. Um uh let's see. The whole world sounds like Michael McDonald and I want to sound like Michael McDonald too and I do.
3: <laughs> <That's> pretty good. <laughs> I knew you could do it. Excellent. That's by
4: Michael. Uh, what's his name? Silvershire, something like that. This guy. I, this guy wrote a whole thing about Michael McDonald. He went through a, a period of time when he was just singing. He sang on a bunch of my albums. You know. Yes, he, he was did. Terrific. Yeah. 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 We- I also do Billy Holiday. Let's I'll hear it. Go right ahead. <laughs> but it sounds a, a hell of a lot like Diana Ross. So <laughs> here it goes. Um,
0: If I go out on Sunday and cabaret all day Monday, ain't nobody's business if I do. If I get beat up by my papa and I don't call no copper, ain't nobody's business if I do. Ain't nobody's business if I do. Wow.
3: <laughs> Steven, we're blown away. Wow. <laughs> okay, just keep going. Oh, I do a couple of
4: other ones. I do I do Bob Dylan hailing a cab in New York City. Okay. All right, ready? Yeah. Tixie! <laughs> Oh, I do a little bit of Diana Ross. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds a hell of a lot like Billie Holiday, as I said. (laughs)
0: Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know?
1: Impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Would you you like to hear some of Gilbert's Peter Laurie, Stephen? (laughs) Yeah, I remember Peter Laurie. (laughs) Give him a a taste, Gil.
3: (laughs) No, it's you who ruined it. You, it's your your stupid attempt to buy it. Kevin the found out how valuable it was. You imbecile! You (laughs) blundering fathead! (laughs)
4: <laughs> what do you think? That's the weirdest impression I've ever heard. Well, how did you get around to Peter Lorre? <laughs> <laughs> do some more singing ones. <laughs> I can do. I can do. Who else do I do? I do a bunch of them. I do. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I do a whole bunch. Oh, I do um, uh, Enrique Glacius.
3: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Lay it on us. Excellent. Let's see.
4: Okay, Billy, don't be a hero. <laughs> Don't make a fool of your life. Billy, don't be a hero. Come back and make me your wife. It's not just
1: Enrique and Iglesias. Enrique and Iglesias sings Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods.
4: <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> well, I do more. I just can't think yes. of it. What is more I do? Wow. I don't know. What's <laughs> weird, I'm still recovering, you know, because I, I walked in this uh, grocery store last week. And this woman walks up to me, right? It was, I, I was picking out the perfect uh, uh, cauliflower or, mm-hmm. or the other cauliflower. Anyway, uh, this woman goes, Oh, it's you. I can't believe it. You're the greatest. I've been listening to your music all my life and you're just incredible. And I'm like, Well, you know. And she's like, Oh, I love your music and your song, short people. Was like one of my. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I know I'm thinking I'm leaving somebody. Will you tell Randy that story? Oh, 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 right. Wait, wait a minute. I do. um, Super Tramp. Okay. Because uh, I always thought they sounded Indian, you know. <laughs> when I was young, I was also logical, mystical, <laughs> oh, phenomenal, <laughs> criminal. Oh, tell me what would you do if I found you? <laughs> um, that's a vegetable. <laughs> oh, my God. Steve, I got you- a new puppy, and I uh, his name is Randy Newman. I swear to God, Fantastic. that's his name. That's and, a- you know. We were just on on the road, and we had to take him with us. And it was like people would come by our uh, hotel room, and I'd be in there going, Randy Newman, why did you do that? (laughs) And I could just imagine what people would think.
3: (laughs) Well, you must do a Randy Newman then, I take it. What? You must do a Randy Newman imitation. Oh, oh, I don't. Not really. I don't. No. I love
4: Randy Newman. Yes, he's great. Love him. Love him. I sang on one of his albums, which is really great. No, I don't. I don't. Um, uh, who was I doing just the other day? Oh, I don't know. I'm blanking. But that's about it. That's, <laughs> a good,
3: that's a good repertoire. Okay, we'd like to thank you for coming on. <laughs> Tell, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Tell the Bob I'll Marley story the that we
1: have in the intro because it's a funny. It's a story worth telling. The which what the Bob Marley story that we put into the intro.
4: Oh dear. Okay. Well. <laughs> on and on it was like a big hit and everything was going great and everything I went to this party one weekend and um, a lot of people there and I was introduced to Bob Marley's widow uh, Rita Marley I think her name is yes and she said to me um are you Stephen Bishop (laughs) I was like yeah she goes Jamaican women they do not break your heart and steal your money (laughs) which is the first line of on and on, you yes, know, yes. down in Jamaica, they got lots of pretty women, steal your money, then they break your heart. Well, I shouldn't have probably said that, but I was using poetic license. Of course. And so so I, I told her that. It was poetic license? And I was like, a question. It was like, no, it, she wouldn't take that. So I, I kind of like kind of disappeared from the party and I went in the kitchen, you know. I'm, like, back there in the kitchen, and I'm trying to find something to do. And they had, like, a Jamaican cook. So I go, hi there. He goes, hey, man. You know, and I just thought, uh-oh, I better not uh, have her tell him the whole story. It's a weird story.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to get past Bob Dylan hailing a cab. <laughs> that was great. Big
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: And and if you think of another singing imitation, you do right it down.
4: ask my manager here. She'll, she'll probably come up with something. What do you got there? What?
2: Anyway, never mind.
4: <laughs> we'll talk about it later in the car.
2: <laughs> yes. We'll,
4: we'll, we'll, tell us where that comes from. We'll, well talk about it later in it's, the car. It's a weird kind of interesting story. Um, it's actually a great kind of I don't know if this is the right term, non sequitur or like if you have to leave the conversation, mm-hmm. you go, Yeah, really? Yeah, pygmies do fly. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about it later in the car. And you know <laughs> yeah. and it's just a great way to bring yourself away from whatever's going on. But uh, the really um I I dated like I uh, Carrie Fisher for like two weeks back in seventy where, what year? <laughs> I don't know. It was after she did uh, the first Star Wars, and um, we went to Saturday Night Live one time. And she she was, like, funny about holding my hand. I'm thinking, oh, she slept with everybody here. (laughs)
2: uh,
4: (laughs) You know, she didn't want to hold my hand. So finally, she gets on this phone, not a cell phone. They weren't invented yet. So she gets on uh, this little, remember, like, Saturday Night Live had those little booths where you could talk, like a little phone booth? Yes. Well, well, she gets on this phone, and she's talking to somebody, and I walk by her, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I've really blown it, and she doesn't like me. And then I hear her say, anyway, we'll talk about it later in the car. And I thought, what does that mean? And so she comes over, and I said, well, I heard you say, we'll talk about it later. Was that about me? (laughs) And she she said, no, no. My mother used to say that to me when I was a little kid, uh, you know, if we got in an argument. Debbie Reynolds would say, we'll talk about it later in the car. Love it. So that that line just stuck with me for years and years, and I would use it on stage because you you say that, and you usually leave people going, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Debbie Reynolds is responsible indirectly or directly for the name of your new album.
4: Uh, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. By the way. I I met her once. She was really great. I heard you sneak
1: this phrase into a song. In doing my deep research, I heard you end the song with We'll Talk About It Later in the Car. It was a Monster Mash cover.
4: Oh, right, right. <laughs> with you I and was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld a eerie sight. I used my friend's dad, who is English, and he invented the Bentley. And uh, his name was Amherst Villers. And I knew him, you know, when I was in England for a while. And he had this kind of, hello, hello. Oh. Be glad you're on the planet, you know. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so I used that voice for Monster Mash. It was you Linda
1: Ronstadt and and your old friend Andrew Gold
4: and Carla Bonoff. And Carla Bonoff, right. Yeah, they were singing in background. And uh, you know, I did the whole thing. Actually, it's getting around finally after all these years. That's that record. Yeah. That, that's that's catnip for Gilbert. Now, he loves that stuff. Now,
3: particularly in your early years when you were a kid, you would write like like 20 songs a month or something and what yeah
4: do you remember weird songs though they were like you know there's a hair in your enchilada was one song um fly on her lips uh uh, 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 will there ever be a sunday in nebraska (laughs) what's
1: the one beer can
4: on the beach what's the one you wrote down yes yes there's
1: two dump
4: the spittoon over natty's head Yes. Yeah. Dump the spittoon over it, and he said, "These are really real songs, you and know, that I wrote." Benny,
3: Benny, the wharf
4: rat. Yeah, Benny, the Warfret, Yeah. Can you Greasy, sing? frisky, full of whiskey, slobbering down the hall. You know, it's this whole song. You know, I was into that. You know, I always say you have, you're not going to be a great songwriter until you get your heart broken. And I hadn't gotten really gotten my heart broken yet, so I was writing weird crap.
3: Now, can you like Benny the Can rep. you sing what you think may be the worst song you ever wrote? Well,
4: uh <laughs> the the first song that comes into my mind was um this is really weird. I was at this party <laughs> years and years ago and Penny Marshall was there and James Brooks was there the director and they were talking to me and they said, "Well, yeah, you're a songwriter, but can you write a song in like a half an hour?" I was like, "Yeah." And they'll go do it. So I went. <laughs> so I went to the other room and I wrote this song, and it was called "Girls' Bones Found." <laughs> Girls' Bones Found. <laughs> like in the paper, you know, your Girls' Bones Found. You know, it's all always like a, like, all like a New York Post like headline. A headline. Can, can
3: you sing some of that
4: for us? I can. I don't know. I don't remember the whole thing, but maybe I'll do some of it. <laughs> Her name was Jenny Lee, and she was all of seventeen. Big old Tom, he knew it. For he'd seen her through the screen. He watched her pick her purple berries from her daddy's field. Because Tom had wanted Jenny's berries because they were so ripe to peel. (laughs) Girl's bones found. And then then he, oh my God. Then it's all about that. And then the last verse, I think, is now the noose is tied around his neck and the crowd is getting uh, tense. Big old Tom cries, Lord, have mercy. This is some kind of an experience, but his face is still there on the gallows. He knows all too well he'll spend his time in heaven bowling while Tom will make snowballs in hell. Lord, while Tom will make snowballs in hell. (laughs) You you knocked this out in 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of iconic. (laughs)
3: Gil, you wanted
1: to ask Stephen way back at the beginning about how uh, how he discovered the Beatles.
3: Yes, yes, it was something you were waiting for the light to change.
4: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I was a like a, a newspaper boy, you know, selling newspapers and all that on the corner of in San Diego on. Uh, let's see, it was like seventieth uh, and uh, something. Anyway, it was right on the corner where there was a foster freeze. And so I was like about 13, 12 or 13, when all of a sudden this convertible pulls up and it's this guy making out with this girl and on the radio is, I want to hold your hand. I want to hold, you know. And it just sounded like magic to me. It was like, oh my God, you know. And since then I've become such a serious holic. That was a, that was a, uh, A transformative moment it was it really was and i i wound up i didn't have enough money i was pretty broke i i was raised pretty poor and so i didn't have enough money to buy the beatles first album meet the beatles so i went and got um this album the next best thing was an album called the bugs and so I went, I was a big Bugs fan for a while. <laughs> I knew all their songs, you know, it was like, oh yeah, the Bugs, you know, like the, <laughs> the Bugs. So, uh, and then the Beatles came along. I mean, then they, they had come along and so I wound up uh, finally getting with it and saving up my money. And, and uh, since then, it's like the best thing that ever happened to this world, I think. I even had a dream when I was 15. Yeah. I call it my Beatles dream. I was so into the Beatles that all I could do, you know, I was on the on the bus, you know, trading uh, bubblegum cards with Paul. Oh, look, here's a good one of Paul, you know, and stuff. And so I was doing all that, and I was a major Beatle fan. And I had this dream uh, that I had my own apartment, and it was like I lived on the second floor in this dream. And one day um, there was a knock on the door, and I went to the door, and it was John Lennon and Paul McCartney at my door. And I said, "Wow, guys, what are you doing here?" And John said, you know, well, we were in the neighborhood. We thought we'd drop in. And so Paul went,
2: "Yeah." It'd be great. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so I go, "Wow, guys, come on in. We'll write a song, you know." So I magically had three guitars, and we wrote this song in E, you know? And uh I don't remember it really. And then um, you know, John Lennon stood up and said, uh, you know, we've got to get going, but we were wondering if you'd like to join the group. And so I said, <laughs> and Paul said, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I said, uh, gosh, guys, I'd really like to, but I promised my mom I'd help her clean up the backyard tomorrow. <laughs> That was my dream. Wow. It was a real dream. It's a downer ending, Stephen. Yeah, it is a kind of a downer ending. Were, I mean, were, what am I going to say? Yeah, I went off and I was I was a six member of the Dave Clark Five, you know, or something. I don't know. Were you
1: into those Beatles Saturday morning cartoons? So as we talk about them on the podcast, you know it. Yeah,
4: you know it. Yeah. I always did.
3: They never sounded anything like the Beatles. They weren't even trying to sound like the Beatles. I know, I know. They were
4: like, hey, Paul McCartney, over here. It's John Lennon here. <laughs> <laughs> we think they
3: sounded like Ronald Coleman. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, come along, Paul. We're on an adventure. <laughs> That's funny. But even on before, an adventure.
1: Even before the Beatles came into your life, I mean, you you were musical. You, you you loved music. I got a kick out of the fact that you liked the Davy Crockett theme.
4: Oh, that was the first thing that really... Uh, well, the first song was Three Coins in a Fountain, yeah. you know? I remember that when I was three, you know, I was sweeping the walk, hearing that song. Um, but then when I was five, yeah, it was all about Davy Crockett, man. I was. I even did a, a version of the theme. I recorded it, and it was on an album, uh, the Davy Crockett theme. That's really? It's funny because... Yeah. The very first part of it is like uh I say I'll, I go, uh all right, come on guys, let's quit playing basketball and let's sing a Davy Crockett theme song, you know?
3: Sing yeah. the Davy Crockett theme for us.
4: Oh <laughs> Um Davy Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, killed him a bar and something else. I don't know. <laughs> I <remember. laughs> Good enough. I just remember it killed him and bar.
1: <laughs> so so the Beatles come along, your life has yeah. changed. You were telling us before we turned the mics on, you were actually studying the clarinet.
4: Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, my creepy stepfather. I had a stepfather who just hated. Was a opera singer and he hated the Beatles. And uh, when I saw him on Ed Sullivan, I had to promise that I would uh, clean up the backyard for the rest of my life just to watch. <laughs> The Beatles <laughs> on Ed Sullivan. And he was like, sit, he was like over there. He was like a big guy, you know, and he was like those mop tops, you know, like in disgust, you know, <laughs> but they were everything to me. So, uh, yeah.
3: And what, what, you, what was the question? I, well,
1: well, I was sorry. You were telling us before we turned the mics on that you would tr- try oh. to impress girls in school with a clarinet. It yeah. Just yeah. He did it. give
4: me a clarinet. That was his big saving grace. and, and, I took this clarinet to school that I was in intermediate orchestra and everything. And uh, I would go out to the lunch quad and try and impress this girl, Bernadette Tarantino, who was like awesome looking. And she was like the hot girl of the school. And I would go out there and I'd like be nice, you know, do, 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 you know, the, the song <laughs> from the stones, you know, uh, can't get no satisfaction on a clarinet I'll, I'll say something else that I shouldn't say. I've never said in an interview Oh, though. cool. <laughs> when I was when I was in 8th grade and the stones were really happening. <laughs> all the guys I knew were like experimenting with their units, you know, at that age. And I <laughs> I thought that Mick Jagger's saying you can't be a man cuz he doesn't sperm. <laughs> I couldn't understand his his English accent, and so all of us, all my friends went, yeah, he says, can't be a man, which is really, can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes yes. as me, but in, with his English accent, I thought it was, you know, can't be a man because he doesn't sperm, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's truly bizarre, isn't that bizarre? Very. I should have probably said that story. No, my manager's going to give me a tough time now. So, tell us about the weeds. Tell us about forming. Oh, the, the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just talking about the weeds like yesterday to uh, some some uh, friends of mine, and um, I was the leader in the beginning, and I was like fourteen. And then the, my lead guitar player formed a key, uh, a coup or something and got me out. And I all of a sudden, he was the leader of the Weeds. And I never forget him. As as I was leaving, he kicked me in the ass. And I thought, this is really bad. Oh, oh, my God.
2: He went, get
4: out of here. I'm the leader. Boom. And he kicked me in the ass. And I'm walking home going, oh, he kicked me in the ass. <laughs> What so I'm not, you know, I finally became the le- leader again. Over and the we, week Yeah. We wound up, uh, yeah, I mean, the bass player and I are still great friends, uh, Mark Quincy, and uh, he, uh, when we talk on the phone, we have this thing it has been going on for about 20 years. It has to start with, hey, you jerk. No, you're the jerk. No, you're the jerk.
3: You are like you're like 12 or something. Yeah. yeah. That's sweet that you kept that going. Yeah, he kept that going. He loves to do and it. Your stepfather, you had a guitar, and he wouldn't allow it in the house. I heard.
4: Well, I finally got a guitar. My my brother uh, Denny wound up uh, buying me a guitar at Unimart, I think. And uh, you know, I was thrilled just to have a guitar. And he hooked up his um his uh his uh, his record player a phono player, and uh, turned it into, a, um, you know, like an amp. And so I could play it through the amp. So this drove my stepfather nuts. You know, he just hated to hear that. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. You're banging on that thing. You know? <laughs> and I'd be sitting there, you know, I'm banging on it. Well, it sounds good. That's better than your crummy opera. <laughs> what
1: What kind of things were the weeds playing, Stephen? The, uh, British well, Invasion
4: stuff? A lot of Beatles yeah. and a lot of Stones. I did a lot of Stones. I, we did this um, the Claremont, the Claremont Battle of the Bands in San Diego, and my brother was like telling me, uh, "Jump off the stage, jump off the stage, and walk up to girls and point at them and sing," you know. And I was like scared to death. I'd never even kissed a girl, so uh, I wound up jumping off the stage, and it was that uh, stone song, uh, "Everybody Needs Love." Everybody needs somebody. I need you, you, you. So I was like looking at these girls who were like, you know, 11 or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I need you, 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 you know. Uh, so weird memory, but we got second place. Pretty good. Was there, was there a cover of Lemon Tree, Trini Lopez's Lemon Tree, where you played the bongos? Yeah, that was early on uh, when I first started getting into music. I was really into folk music at that point in my life. I was listening to the Limelighters and oh, yeah. Kingston Trio and you know all that stuff. And uh yeah, I knew I knew this kid and he, he and I would go to the Chicken Kitchen. That's what the name was. It was down the block from my house and we'd peer in the windows uh the screens, you know, and we'd be singing Lemon Tree. That's the only song we knew. <laughs> Lemon tree, berry. And you know, I was, was like, like, all right, you know, with the bongo thing.
3: Now, do you do a Trini Lopez imitation? No, no. Oh.
4: Tr- Trini's still with us. Wow. Still hanging around. Wow. Yeah, I, I used to like Tr- I, his song, uh, oh, that record, um, uh, If I Had a Hammer. Sure. I, I loved that when yeah. I was like 11 or 12. He was a big star for a time. He was. He was he, huge. Doing the research, like Johnny Rivers was. Johnny too, anyway. Rivers,
1: love Johnny Rivers. Yeah, doing the research on you, Steven, I we found something that we talk about on this show. You were you were reminiscing about the days of of old radio, top forty radio, when you when you had variety. You could hear Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, yeah. and then you could hear the Beatles and Hendrix and Sinatra.
4: You know, I did this uh, concert for Clear Channel once, and they're this big, you know, radio. A demographic thing. And so I I played for this guy and I said, you know, I have a good idea for a radio. And he said, Oh, really? What? We're looking for something new. So I go, Well, how about going back to like when I was 15 and I'd get a radio station and then they play Frank Sinatra, followed by Jimi Hendrix, followed by I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Sure country Lynn Anderson, and you yeah. or you heard a little bit of every kind of style and that's what was so great i just miss that we yeah, miss it terribly yeah,
3: it used to be like you'd hear strangers in the night and and then you'd hear the stones mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then there'd be Candyman, you know.
1: And the DeFranco family.
3: Was oh, a, my God. <laughs> was a,
1: little bit of a, a little bit of everything.
4: <laughs> oh, you've gone too far now. I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we had ABC in New York. We had Ron, Ron Lundy and Harry Harrison yes. and all of these guys at Top 40 AM in New York. And it was, you know, it, it, the charts were different, too. I mean, what they were playing was reflective of what was on the
4: charts. So you could right. have
1: Candyman, and you could have Rose Garden.
4: Do you remember that record? It was the weirdest record. It was number one. I don't know who did it, but it was. Uh, it went uh, "Shut up of your face." You remember? That song? Oh yeah! It was Forget like a number one. "Shut up in your face." <laughs> you know, and all your friends would go "Shut up of your face."
1: Well, you, you make a point, too. You, you could hear novelty records in those days on the Dance, charts. That's right. It's so different the, now. The like, there's Stevens no the sh- new
4: dances. It's like no. the, in the old days, you had the Twist and you had the Frug and all that stuff. And now there's like nobody invents dances anymore. You'd hear
1: something like Convoy or Ray Stevens' The Streak or something like that.
3: Oh, and uh, oh. The, what was Along it? Along with the- other hits. The Green Berets.
4: Ballad of the Green Berets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or how and, about an open letter to my teenage son? Oh, oh yes. Really dating myself. Oh yes. You and, know, if you want to go out and grow your hair long, that's fine,
1: as long as you give me money. Well, actors were <laughs> charting then. I mean, you could hear Lorne Green doing Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> different times.
3: And, yeah, and different then, time. And you owe it to yourself if you haven't already heard it. Frank Sinatra singing Mrs. Robinson.
4: God, that sounds like, I wonder if I have heard that.
1: Oh, oh, it's the worst.
4: Oh, it's, it's amazing. And we love Sinatra, as you yeah. do. Oh, I do. You know, I saw Sinatra. Um, I uh, went to see him on Valentine's Night or something a billion years ago, and it was towards the end of his life, and he was still doing shows, and he had his son... As a conductor, sure. Uh, what was yes. Frank Junior? Frank Junior. Yeah, and so he's he's like uh, he's like singing to people, and he was sounding great. And all of a sudden, he would like he turn his whole body around and yell at his son on stage, and oh. he go, "You call that an arrangement? That's so <laughs> oh screwed! How wow. could you do that anyway? My way." And then he come back to singing, and then he kept going back looking at at uh, his son going, really? I should have never raised you as a child, you know? <laughs> was it was uh, he saying man. all this shit on stage? It was at the Desert Inn. Was it shtick, or was he just working him over? No, he was mad.
3: Wow. Why? He, he,
4: we should have rehearsed this. Why didn't you, you know? This so, kind of
3: so Frank Sinatra was like a scumbag father. <laughs> well, maybe.
4: <laughs> no, but he did pay all those that money to get him back after he had been kidnapped. Now,
3: here's what I don't understand. When That's Frank funny. Jr. got kidnapped, With all the mobsters that Frank was friends with, why didn't he have those guys killed? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to
1: answer that. Can
3: you help me (laughs) out?
1: I got a better question. I got a safer question.
4: Was he aware of your lyric and on and on? The Sinatra Sinatra reference? uh, Actually, I... I I used to get my hair cut at this place, and Tina Sinatra used to go there. So ah. one time I talked to her, and she said that she had gone and uh, gone to Palm Springs with him one time, and he, she was driving him. And she asked him if he had ever heard that, and he, he did. So he he never like you know there was never like a brand new bicycle on my front porch or anything, <laughs> saying oh, "Love you, Frank." <laughs> you know, I never had that. <laughs> the least he could have done. <laughs>
1: Joe Dolce, by the way, I looked it up. Shut up your face.
3: Oh, is that The who artist is?
1: was Joe, Joe and, D-O-L-C-E.
3: Oh, and there used to be that song, and it was taken off the air, and that was the coming to take me away, ha-ha.
4: Oh, Napoleon. Oh, that uh, was really a long time yeah. ago, Napoleon. Yeah. That was like 65 or 66. Yeah, yeah they real decided
3: old stuff. it was uh, like making fun of like people with mental problems, so they took it off the air.
1: Uh, so at, wow. at what point, Stephen? The the weed. So the weeds are are doing battles of the bands and things of this nature. I, yeah, the, I,
4: you know the weeds never became you know a big thing. Oh, I know. I'm and just- and by the way, the name. Uh, we never call ourselves the weeds after pot. We weren't that hip. We we called ourselves the weeds after the weeds in the backyard. <laughs>
2: just a,
1: just an inanimate object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At what yeah. point did you decide to make the, the pilgrimage to, to, to leave San Diego, go, go up to LA and, and, and try to make a, uh, a run at this?
4: Yeah. It was, was there, a, we, was there a catalyzing moment? Was there a. We'd been up to LA once and recorded. It was just, I don't, I wish I had a, rec- you know, that recording, but, and then we went again when I was like 17, uh, so about 17, 17 and a half, And, um. I wound up uh, w- taking my guitar and just walking around uh, Hollywood, you know, knocking on doors and trying to, you know, get. Some- and I would try everything. I would try English accents, you know. Yeah, I just got over, you know, from England, and I'm very good friends with George Harrison's nephew. And I would come up with all this crap, you
2: know,
4: you know I- anything just to get your foot in the door. You know, it was so difficult. Now it must be impossible, but. I wound up finding this guy who worked at Dot Records. He was the head guy, Milt Rogers. He said, come on in, son. You know, it was one of those guys. And I had my guitar with me, and he said, okay, I want to hear something commercial. And I said, what's that? I didn't know what commercial. <laughs> I thought he meant the commercial, like on uh-huh. the TV. Uh, I never heard that expression. So I wound up playing him tons of songs, you know, and all my, you know, beer can on the beach songs and and Benny the Wharf Rat and all that, and uh, he said, "Good, that's good." But I don't hear a hit. And then I finally played this new song I was working on called Daisy Hawkins, and uh, he went, he slapped his hand on the desk and he said, "Kid, that's a hit." And uh, and what wound up happening is after that meeting, I wound up going up to E. H. Morris Publishing. They were a publishing company that published all these musicals like Mame, Bye Bye Birdie, uh-huh. Hello Dolly. And uh, they wound up signing me to because I said the right thing. Oh, this guy says it's a hit, and da, 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 da. And they said, well, great, let's sign you. So they signed me for $50 a week as a staff songwriter. And that's like, what year is that? I guess that's, uh, what was
2: that?
4: It was 70. Yeah. Well, 70. you
1: said, you said you were turned down by every label and every producer in town.
4: Just
3: about, yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. do well. You were in a classic uh, movie moment in Animal House. See, we do jump around. Yeah.
4: No, that was my twin brother. Well, tell us how you met Landis. Okay, I, I met Landis, actually. I met John Landis uh, in 19... It's amazing I remember it, uh, through dates, but uh, I think it was like 19... Uh, seventy one during where it was the big LA earthquake and, and um my good buddy uh, Charlie Villers was friends with him so we I wound up meeting him we wound up becoming becoming great friends I'm not really friends with him anymore but we 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 were like great great friends for years and he put me in you know Kentucky fried movie I'm doing um wait a minute take this off for a minute since I was a kid I've always made this duck Hi there, how you doing? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when I'm in the in the bath, I'll I'll, I'll make conversations. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Oh, not bad. Anyway, so uh, well, just so I, the I, audience
3: I, will know, he's moving his fingers around. That looks like. Like a duck. Well, he's doing like a, like a shadow puppet. Yes. Yeah,
4: yeah. He kind of, but it's, it, 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 it's, you know, there's this thing. Anyway, so so uh, I I do that uh, in in Kentucky Fried Movie. I'm in the section this uh, California girls and no a Catholic Catholic high girls course. in trouble right. And so I do this and I go surfing USA. You know, which makes no sense. <laughs> but you know, well, so that's couple- what I did in the movies. And, uh, and then he asked me to do Animal House, and um, I wrote the theme to Animal House. I incorporated all the characters in the song. And, uh, you know, and then I was going to uh, be on the, you know, uh, actually I was supposed to be downstairs flirting with Karen Allen at that time. That's what they wanted me to do at first. And then they changed it, and they had uh, me sitting on the steps and it was my idea to do that song because they wanted a song that was public domain. Mm-hmm. So I sang the song I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. <laughs> I gave my love a chicken <laughs> that had no bone, right? Gave my love a story that had no end. I gave. And then that's when he took my guitar and smashed it. Lucy. You did, did you know what he was going to do? Yeah. But okay. I, 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 I did. You did, a, know great, you did be, a great job of looking frightened. Well, I I generally, I was, I was, (laughs) I know I now have that broken guitar. I had everybody sign it in the cast
3: and then it's hanging in my house in a frame.
4: Wow. I I
3: love that. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. But first a word from our sponsor.
0: Now,
1: what
3: what do you remember about Belushi?
1: That's that's Judy Jacklin, by the way, on the staircase with you,
4: isn't it, John's John's mm-hmm. uh, John's wife.
3: John's wife was yeah. right in back of me,
4: right. Um. Well, I had a lot of experiences with Belushi. You know, he was a, you know, uh, he was a different guy. He was like a somebody who was like um, had a lot of personality you know and a lot of personalities he would buy he could be sweet as could be and he could also be a little nasty <laughs> and so i remember we went to some chinese restaurant once in new york and and people were screaming at him on the sidewalk on the uh, across the street saying do the bee do the bee remember that way yeah, back sure, then he hated everybody the bee. he yeah. hated that bee, and He said, yeah. ah, fuck you with the fucking bee
2: <laughs> 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 you didn't like that. <laughs>
1: Going back to Kentucky Fried uh, Movie, when yeah? we give us some context. I mean, an attractive woman comes up to you and says, "Show me your nuts before before you 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 do that thing." What what was your was there a reaction from Fens and Family? Hey, I'm in a movie. No, no,
4: <laughs> not really. Nobody would see it. Nobody saw. Everybody was really religious on my family side. I was raised a Christian scientist, so it's a whole different thing. And you, when when you were asked to do the Animal House
1: theme, was it your idea to do the Falsetto to do the Frankie Valley? Oh, you
4: mean for that song, Dream Girl? Well, for Dream Girl and and also the theme. You're you're in the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the movie set in 1962. And who was big in 1962? Right. Good point. Four Seasons. Good point.
2: Sherry.
0: Sherry, baby. Sherry. You know,
4: so it was all that. So it became very easy for me to go,
0: let me tell you about some friends I know. They're kind of crazy, but you dig the show.
4: You know, and then I incorporated all the characters in the script because I had a script with me um, in the mo- in the song. So, you know. Boone and Katie playing cat and mouse, you know, and all that, you know.
1: You're still doing that song in concert because I saw you. I saw a clip of People you. Love in that song. March of this year doing it. Oh, you saw me in March? No, I saw a clip of you on YouTube doing the doing the song back in March or April.
4: Oh, really? Doing
1: it for doing it for an audience, and I love oh, the wow. fact that you can still get up there.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I thought I knew everything about Animal House, Stephen, but yeah. the, the, the Carrie Fisher little tribute at the end of Dream Girl, I, had, oh, yeah, I right. had never heard before.
4: Well, I had a big crush on her back then, so that I, I did— uh, A little Easter egg. Uh, I did. What did I do? I go, oh, I, I said at the very end of Dream Girl, Be My Dream Girl. Right, which is the I'll song that's my playing when Marmalade. Dream
0: Girl. And make my dream come true.
4: You know, I tried to do it like four seasons, and then I, at the very end, I go,
0: "Carrie, baby,"
4: I said, "Carrie, baby." Yeah, it's a nice little tribute, D- D- Gilbert. Yeah, I Gilbert. miss her too. I miss yeah. her. I think she, you know, we weren't, we never went bowling or anything, but you know, she was like a uh, a friend of mine at one point in my life, and uh, it's she was so talented. Yeah. Wow, she She's, could do Judy
1: Garland. You'd swear it was Judy Garland. She seems like one of those hub people, you know that every that, that every she touched so many different people's lives. We had Griffin Dunn in here a couple of weeks ago as a friend of hers. Beverly D'Angelo we had on the show as a friend of hers, and Treat Williams. And now you, she's touched uh. a lot. A lot of our guests uh, had longstanding friendships with her. Craig Bierco. Oh, yeah. Craig Bierko's is another one.
4: Yeah, and, so, yeah. And I she
1: paid Gilbert a compliment.
3: Yeah, I I was doing a roast with her, and she looks at me and smiles. And goes, you are just my type. <laughs> and, I, and I said, what, what's your type? And she goes, little cute and funny. I thought you were going to say breathing.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> as long as we're on Landis, uh, and we'll move past it. But you also turn up in the Blues Brothers as one of the. I right. love how he kept giving you the same. Trooper. Yeah, he kept giving you the same credit charming I, guy well, not, it was
4: always a little bit different right. i think the first in animal house i was a charming guitar player yeah. and uh in uh in Bl- blues brothers i was charming state trooper uh then i and i did twilight zone i was in twilight zone as a as a soldier charming oh, one of one of <laughs> troops yeah right yeah, yeah, right right <laughs> no. uh, and then i was in that and i was charming state uh, charming gi and then the last one I did was uh uh wait a minute did I do all of them
2: yeah yeah,
4: yeah Kentucky four of them Kentucky Fried four. Movie uh,
1: Animal House Blue's Brothers and, Twi- and Twilight Zone right right yeah
4: I, Blues I Brothers that was my line you know um uh, they, I wasn't in the script when it when I was in uh, the police car and then it flips over mm-hmm. when they trash the mall and then it's tr- turning round and round. And so I go. They broke my watch. That was my line. (laughs) One one other
1: Landis project we might as well mention. You're in the thriller video.
4: Oh yeah, right, right. Well, not. You'd have to, you know, put on your bifocals or something to find me. But I mean, uh, I was in a yellow shirt uh, to the to the right of Michael Jackson and his date. And uh, you can see me though on as long as you have a wide screen. I, I want to go back to the
1: struggling years, Stephen. There's, oh yeah. there's, there's some good stuff in there. And I, I was telling Gilbert that at one point you were basically in your Volkswagen, going from celebrity's house to celebrity's house, auditioning. You were you went to Barbara Streisand's, you went to Oh uh, Diana Ross's house, yeah, auditioning songs or or I was very playing your repertoire in,
4: for them. As a songwriter, I I did find a way. To get in to play for a song. you know, now it never happened, but back then it was a, you know, you could possibly play in person for a person, for a human being, a celebrity, a singer, and uh, and so I did that with uh, Melissa Manchester. She didn't record any of my songs. I did that with Diana Ross. I'm like sitting there with Diana Ross, you know, going, uh, she and she's like, I think she had a valium or something. <laughs> She seemed a little laid back, but uh, you know she was going. That's great. That was she was being very nice. I must have played about thirty songs for her. When all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. Who's at the door? Smokey Robinson Jr. Wow, Smokey Robinson. What? And so he comes in. What? What a great songwriter. And so he sat there and listened to me, and he says, "I want to sign you." And I was like, "Wow!" But he was working at Motown. And that would be like, well, I think I'll jump off a cliff
3: <laughs> if I
4: go with Motown. You played so, at Michelle Phillips' house, too? And what what was the story
1: that Beatty and, and Nicholson popped in?
4: Oh, yeah, right, right, right. You got all the stuff. Um, I wound up uh, going to, I had an assignment, right, to go and play songs for Michelle Phillips. So I didn't know that Michelle Phillips was living with Warren Beatty. And so I go there to their house on Mulholland Drive, and uh, I got my guitar and a songbook and everything. And uh, just as I get there, Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson are walking up to the house to get into the house to eat something or something. And they had played tennis uh, on the you know tennis court there. And so I sat with them because she was late and she was doing her thing and she was going to come down in a little while and she was also making food and um, and so I uh, so Warren Beatty said, "Hey, play me a song." So I went, "Oh, okay." So I had just written this song of mine, "Careless," and uh, which is on my first album. Was, first album is called oh. "Careless," and uh, I played it for him, and he said, "You know, you don't need that one line." <laughs> oh God right here. You could really j you could take that out. And anyway, I followed his, his thought, you know, I wound up making the change and I, I, uh, changed it. So that was pretty neat. And so, um, funny thing, you know, she made chili, right? Michelle. Okay. I don't know how to say this, but it, this was so funny at the time to me, but it, it doesn't really read or say, it doesn't sound that funny, but, uh, at one point, I found myself in line in the kitchen for Chili. It was Warren, Jack Nicholson, and me. <laughs> and it was just like me. And so Abhor. I'm like really nervous because they're like <laughs> megastars and everything. So I go, um, very. my voice is shaking, and I go, uh, Jack? And he goes, yeah, you know, and Jack Nicholson. He goes, have you ever tried a poached egg in Chili? <laughs> really good. He looks at me, total deadpan. No, never tried it. <laughs> That's the, the extent of my conversation with him. Steven, I see the guitar behind you, and
1: before we get too deep into the show, do you want to play something for us? Sure. Careless, I was going to or... tell
4: you my Burt Bacharach story.
1: Oh, I but... love the Burt Bacharach story.
4: You, you want me to wait? No, no. Whatever you want to do. Well... Um, okay. Uh, in 1981, I had uh, a lot of things I was doing. I was producing people, I was doing this and doing writing this, doing that for movies, and blah blah blah. And like number 16 on the list was Write Song with Bert Bacharach for the movie Arthur. You know, uh, they were doing a soundtrack album, and so they wanted songs. So I go, I'm thinking, like, Burt Bacharach, you know, I, I was a major fan, but I thought, oh, he's probably much older now, and he's probably out of it. So <laughs> I show up at the door. I'm thinking it's going to be, hey, it's Burt Bacharach. How you doing? Sit down, you know. And he's, like, total the opposite of that. He was, like, incredibly handsome. He had, like, a, a tennis, you know, racket in his hand and he had a sweatshirt, and he'd just been playing tennis. And he's like, Stephen, come on in. And so we, I came in, and I wrote this, this song with him and his girlfriend at the time, Carol Bayer Sager. So he plays, he gets his, his uh, we were in the music room, and his white grand piano was on like a pedestal. It was like above, so you look up at him. And he gets up on there, and he plays this chord that was like, I don't know what, an L7-5-6-something, And it was like jing, and I swear, uh, two white doves flew out of the piano. (laughs) It was like, oh my god! (laughs) Listen to this guy. He was like his chords, his stuff. He's like amazing. So uh, he's, you know, uh, let's see. Well, I guess I could tell this. So he, um, so he's, you know, brought out a joint, and we wind up smoking a joint, and you know, there's nothing like. Bert Backrack stash. She's like, God, I, I got so, so blasted. I was like, really blasted. And I was like, really worried yeah. that like, how am I going to write something? I'm so out of it. Ah, I got to get it together. So I go, you know, so I turn on my little tape recorder, and I always do that when I'm writing a song. And a little cassette tape recorder, so it records everything. So that was going. And uh, I say, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom real quick. So I go to the bathroom. I look in the mirror. I go, "You idiot! That's Burt Bacharach out there!" Oh my God! And like all these songs start going through my head, like "You'll Never Get to Heaven if You Break My," "The Look of Love," "Do You Know the Way to," th- <laughs> you know, all of his stuff. <laughs> and I'm I'm scared to death. And so I I went out there, and uh, we actually did write a song um, that was uh, on the soundtrack. I don't I don't know if it was in the movie, but it was called. Um, Only Love or It's Only Love or something. And it's really turned out good and uh, very happy about that. And um, so I'm on my way home. So I'm playing the cassette. Only Love and, and, uh, excuse me, could I use the bathroom real quick? Uh, I hear myself say that. And all of a sudden, I'm listening to them talking. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to tape them. So they're like talking like baby talk and they're like she was like she, she was like going "Bert, I'm tired. I want to go to bed now. I'm tired, Bert." And he's like, "Well, baby, don't worry about it, baby. You know, uh you know, we'll get a little sushi or something and uh, no no problem, baby. <laughs> and I'm like feeling so like a creep that I'm listening to their hilarious. personal conversation. Uh, hilarious.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you want to play something for the from? Yeah, the, yeah, from, yeah. From the new record, we see the guitar there behind you.
4: Let me put on my. I have to wear these braces, which is just a real drag. But I have to wear these braces because I played video games for twelve no for twenty five years. Wow. 25 years of video games goofed up my thumbs. Wow. Yeah, they did. And then then we
1: we want to hear about the cheese injury later.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's another thing. All right. Let's see. What should be the first song? Oh, no.
2: Uh,
4: (laughs) Uh, What does it say? jimmy oh oh oh, okay oh hi oh almost got me in the nose there we're making it a mic adjustment (laughs) all right no problem. okay this is a song this is a song that uh jimmy webb wrote and i recorded it because i love it uh it's called someone else it's on the new album uh, it's on the new album um uh, he wrote it when he was 12, and, uh, you know, I really relate to it because I had a girlfriend uh, in high school named Claudia Higgins, and one day I came out of math class to surprise her in the lunch quad, and she was in the arms of Brad Bright, this guy, Brad Bright. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, Brad. Uh. And I was, like, totally heartbroken, and uh, I wound up going to her locker to get information and so I knew her a combination. So I open up her locker, and I see. Uh, I get this nifty binder, you know, and I, with a magnetic thing. And so I, I, I look on the first page. Dear Brad, I think Steve's on to us. Wow! So, oh! So I can't read that. <laughs> so I, so I wound up. Um, just, I really relate to this song. Is It sounds very, now they're married, by the way, which is uh, good for them. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so here it is. Here it is. Let's see. I haven't practiced today, so I hope I won't goof up. someone else I've
0: known it all the time
4: known that you're not mine and will never be it's someone else I saw you out last night Holding him so tight And it's someone else What's happening to me will happen to him, that's a certainty. Like I learned myself, always some else, always some one. Hangnail or something. <laughs> What's going on over there? He wrote that when he was 12 years old. Can you believe St- it? Staggering. Jay Webb, is, his songs are so, we just saw him just the other night in concert. He was just amazing. His songs are so, uh, inc- I mean, you know, think of all of them. MacArthur Park, uh, Didn't We, The Highwaymen, uh, Wichita Lineman. Um, I Love All
1: I Know, the one art recorded.
4: Yeah, I tried girlfriend. to write with him. I tried to write with Jimmy Webb once, because we've been friends for like forty years or something, and we tried to write together because we thought, well, yeah, we should write, and uh, we get in a room, then it didn't really work out too well. And then later he goes, you know, man, there's only one problem with writing with you. I said, what? He goes, you're in the room. <laughs> 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 I
1: wasn't sure what that meant, but I guess that makes sense. I don't know. He was on this podcast, and he sang uh, MacArthur Park with the guy sitting next to me. Oh, wow. I will send you a clip. It's life-changing, It's life Stephen. <laughs> it's life-changing.
3: <laughs> and, and you're like one of our seventh guests or something that is loved in the Philippines. Yeah, we had Paul Williams here.
4: And- I I I have a long-standing relationship with the Philippines. I mean, I went there originally in 1980 because I was researching hate, faith healers back then, and because because uh, my brother had t- told me that um, you know this guy John Newcomb, the tennis player, he had hurt himself, and then they healed him over there. And I thought, and I you know I always you know I buy anything, so <laughs> so I went along with it and wound up going all the way to the Philippines. And then since I was there, I went on their TV shows and different things. So they know about me for years and years and years. So, um, I've been there. I've played there now 11 times. Last year was my 11th trip. Wow. You're making hmm. a doc about that in, in part. Yeah. We're making a documentary about the trip. Cause I had my, uh, my manager film everything. And so, uh, yeah, we that and my weird career, and you know, it's kind of a mixture of stuff. But it, it's really funny. There's a lot of funny stuff in it.
1: I got to bring up a name that came up on this podcast out of the blue. We had Rupert Holmes in here a couple of weeks ago, and he's become a friend of the show. And uh, some we had callers calling up and asking us trivia. And somebody called us up and wanted to know who was the famous drummer who appeared as one of Spinal Tap's drummers. A famous session drummer, a famous LA drummer. And the answer to the question turned out to be Russ Kunkel. Oh, I was gonna say Russ Kunkel. Yeah, so there you go. So who's was who a guy Russ Kunkel and his and his wife played a Leah. Yeah, Leah Leah Kunkel, who I, I believe it is Cass Elliott's sister. Yeah. Yeah. Played played a
4: role, a pivotal role in uh in your career. Oh very much so, yeah. And she's she's um, she's in town actually. I'm gonna see her uh, uh this week, hopefully. Uh, she uh, was a good pal of mine and then uh, she really liked my songs and stuff and so she got my songs uh, and then gave it to Russ and he gave it to um, Art Garfunkel. This was in like, I don't know, 75? Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave it to him and he wound up recording two songs on his Breakaway album and then I was like, you know, finally on my way, you know, I was like, I finally got a, a good thing
1: A turning know? point That's a yeah. beautiful song by the way Looking for the right one
4: Yeah he did Looking for the right one
1: I like your version And I like Art's version
4: Yeah So he wound up recording about Eight songs of mine um, Yeah he, uh, It was a time you know I mean I was so excited to You know to work with Art Garfunkel back then You know I was I was a big S&G fan Sure Oh shit <laughs> <laughs> just, I just uh,
1: spilled my it, Pellegrino. It was just funny that, that we were kicking the name Russ Kunkel around on this podcast, and I went home to do the research, to start the <laughs> research on you, and bam, up came the name Russ Kunkel. So it was just a, a, a funny coincidence. Followed oh, his yeah. career, too. I mean, he's played with everybody.
3: You, you said yes. an, You said in an interview... How important music right. is to just life in general.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, what if we didn't have music? Terrible. You, Be unlivable. You,
3: you said, like, before you're born, there's your mother's heartbeat. What? You said it. Yeah. I didn't say it. You must what have been told that. You
4: said that before I heard my in. mother's heartbeat you said it. before I was born? Yeah. So wow. I guess that I, I was taking your ma- a psilocybin your manager's calling or something. Your manager's calling bullshit on you. I don't remember saying that. In New York I said that? Was that the time I was on psilocybin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no way. I don't
3: remember saying that. I heard my mother's heartbeat in the womb. No, you didn't hear it. But oh. you, were, you were saying basically like, before someone's born, it's their mother's heartbeat. That's their life, and that's like a rhythm.
1: That's pretty profound, Stephen. I guess so. I, don't I remember guess, saying
3: it. I guess you it, never fucking said. I would claim it. that. I don't shit. remember saying
4: it. But you know,
1: <laughs> tell us about writing on and on because it's a fun story how it how it came to uh, it came together. You know, I,
4: I don't remember saying that, but I've had problems with my short term memory, my long term memory, and my short term memory. <laughs>
1: Very good. <laughs> well, you're perfect for you fit right in at this okay. show. T- tell tell us about On and On.
4: Well, it was just, you know, it came from a chord, you know. Um I was messing around with the guitar and I hit this chord and I just went, Oh, this chord is so cool. I better do something with this chord. So I just kept playing it and days went by. I didn't need or sleep, and I just hit this chord. And people from miles around would come just to hear this chord. (laughs) And finally I thought, I would better do something with this chord. I'll do a little bit of this. Down in Jamaica they got lots of pretty women Steal your money then they break your heart Lonesome Sue, she's in love with old Sam him from the fire into the frying pan On and on She just keeps on trying And she smiles when she feels like crying
3: great we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this yeah
4: it was at the time I was uh you know trying to make it and you know the whole thing and uh and that's when I wrote it I was my landlady had all these exotic flowers and so I just wanted to be somewhere other than Silver Lake. <laughs> and so I said, uh, you know, down in Jamaica, you know, hence the the Rita marley going, you, what do you know about Jamaican women? <laughs> <laughs> did, didn't, it, didn't it have a different lyric in that spot?
1: Wasn't it something about feed your mangoes before? Oh, became?
4: that was on the rough. You must have looked at the rough draft.
1: I did. I looked at your book.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. had feed you mangoes yeah. and it right. she had all been... these terrible lines. <laughs> it had like, you know, uh, find a lover in the five and ten cents store and, you know, terrible lines, you know.
1: <laughs> well, I want to recommend that book, which people can find online. Which I Yeah, th- it's
4: hard to find.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 on. If, if you go to Amazon, you can find it. I mean, there's some great stories. You you had injured yourself. which is a whole other show, but you injured yourself carrying yeah. a plate of brie. <laughs> no, it was bigger than that. Or was it, it was a tray? Huge, a big yeah, tray a of huge cheese. Thing of cheese, uh, yeah. And you couldn't play, so you decided to
4: write this book. Was that it? <laughs> That's true. I was on uh, Vicodin for about you know three months, and yeah. I was just really. I don't know if there's a different Vicodin now, but it was. It was like the viking back then i was like flying you know and i was calling everybody and i i talked to uh i still have the rough drafts actually a of a lot of them i have uh the uh, uh
0: stay in life stay in life
4: <laughs> uh, by the bg's yeah. i have a boarding pass that they wrote you know robin BG wrote the um you know lines from the song on it and stuff yeah. and I've got uh, Monster Mash the the rough of Monster Mash. The Doc Pomus story is
1: very sweet. That he Oh the Doc that, Pompas, where he, where he yeah. wrote he wrote the lyrics for Save the Last Dance on a, on his on his wedding invitation.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Very sweet story.
4: Yeah, yeah it's a great book. I mean, people who've
1: seen it love it. Did you, know? you write a letter to Dylan trying to get your hands on yes. some original
4: I did. What happened, what what was the result of that? It was weird to write a letter to him because I was like um Dear Bob,
2: <laughs> you know, it's like you know,
4: <laughs> comma um you know, uh yeah, I wrote to him, I wrote to Pete Seeger, I wrote to everybody back then. And um you know, I actually met uh Bob Dylan once. Uh I met just about everybody. I never met you, Gilbert. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but I met a lot of people and I was at this party from my uh the, my chiropractor back then uh his, his uh one of his patients was Bob Dylan. And so uh this must be about like 30 years ago or something. And so uh I went to this party and there's Bob Dylan and you're like wow, Bob Dylan, you know. And I walk over to him, you know. I swear to God this is true. I say Oh, it's so great to meet you. Uh, hi. Great to meet you. I, my name's Stephen Bishop. He goes, Stephen Bishop. Oh. Just, <laughs> no, I shouldn't do all those <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> oh. You know, like I saw him in concert. Every song was like, oh, <laughs> taxi. Uh, so he goes, um, wow, you're famous. He says, wow, you're famous to me. I'm like, Huh? I'm famous. You're like really famous. Wow. Do you know? Do you know that old story about his singing? Because I, I I mentioned it in um, my book, and I had I'd called everybody, and I one of the people uh, uh, that I called, I talked to um, this girl who was the daughter of uh, Woody Guthrie. Uh, her name is uh, Sharon Guthrie or something like that. Anyway, and that was his big. You know, he loved him so much, you know, and he fashioned all his songwriting from him and she told me that during the final stages of his life, Woody Guther's life, he had Huntington's disease, and he used to and and Bob used to always he was so enamored with him, he'd come there and sit at his feet, and he just loved him so much so this is a fascinating thing he was singing like this you know um this land is your land and bob dylan copied that style of sounding like you're sick and the his his um his wife uh when she used to hear bob dylan sing she used to get very upset cuz it reminded her of sick hu- her sick husband you know cuz he'd go with well, uh, you know, and that's how uh, Woody Guthrie Guthrie was saying, So, can you imagine he influenced like a whole the birds, uh, the Tom Petty, everybody? You know, well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing story, really, but it's true that the, the Woody Guthrie story too, in the book of how he
1: wrote the uh, "This Land Is Your Land" as an angry response to Irving Berlin's "God Bless America," was uh, also yeah. was also fascinating. We have to tell yeah. our fans to get the book. Songs, yeah. in, songs in the rough. There's a good story, too, about uh, Al Cooper hating Gary Lewis's version of this diamond ring.
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about uh, Harry Nielsen,
1: uh, another guy you knew. He comes up a lot on this show.
4: Well, Harry Nielsen was a good friend of mine. Um, he was really good friends with Jimmy Webb. They were really great friends. But I became friends with him in the last you know, four or five years of his life. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, I wonder what I should tell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I was actually at the, uh, you know, I, I met three of the Beatles, but but I never met John Lennon, but I did see him the night that they were has, uh, hassling the Smothers Brothers oh, at that's the Troubadour. Oh, a famous
1: night, yeah.
4: Yeah, I was there because I wound up, I was in the bar, and then I said, could I use the bathroom? And that was an old trick to go through the Troubadour, like you're using the, using the bathroom, then you, you know, hide yourself away and... And watch the show <laughs> for free. So um, I did see him. His He had a, you know, I, I mean, I was such a John Lennon fan. Uh, still am. But um, I didn't know the whole thing, you know, nope. of why they were arguing or anything. Where was I going with this? Wasn't oh, a Harry Nielsen story. Oh, Harry Nielsen. <laughs> and he was w- with John Lennon that night, yeah. And they got in a fight, and it was awful. I knew uh Harry Nielsen. Um he I was at a party and uh no, don't tell that story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you- So we'll talk about it later in the car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue.
3: What was this I remember hearing that story. What was the story with the Beatles and uh this mother It was party. just Harry and John. No, it was Harry and John heckling, Lennon. Heckling,
4: heckling the Smothers they were, Brothers. They were the drunk point. and they were hassling the Smothers Brothers, you know. And I, I could tell it was the Smothers Brothers. Then I looked and I saw John Lennon's face. He had a big face. Yeah, that's a, that's a famous night. And what's the Gary Lewis one? Well, I don't know anything about that. I never met Gary Lewis.
1: Well, it's in <laughs> your book. Think. Yeah. Well, people will have to get the book. I'll give, yeah, you, we'll my, I'll give book. you my copy of the
4: book, Gil.
3: Okay, yeah. here's what you were waiting for. I know. Here it is. Here it is.
4: Chestnuts roasting <laughs> on an open fire. Stephen, will you will you sing something Everybody with Everybody your- knows <laughs> a turkey and another turkey make two turkeys.
1: <laughs> Gilbert okay, so- wants to know if you'll if you'll be brave enough to sing something with him.
3: Sure. Uh, I okay. It what do you, might do you be sing? you, but do you have what parts he'll sing? Well, what, what what he didn't write
1: that one. You want to sing it might be you with him?
3: Yes, sure.
1: What if
4: I mean, it, are you going to sing like good <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or like strange? You, you, you haven't you, heard this
3: show, you yeah, you never <laughs> heard me before. He sang
1: with Tommy James, Ron Dante, Jimmy Webb. Who else?
3: Oh, Tony Orlando, Tony Orlando Dick uh, Van Dyke.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lots oh, yeah,
3: of- Dick Van Dyke
4: was a very known singer.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not. <laughs> why don't, well, he'll do a little bit of, uh, why don't you take it to all of my life, and then Gilbert will do uh, the middle section. Do you want to do it
4: on your own or with me? You'll do,
1: you'll do Because we're on Skype, we'll have to do yeah, each section we separately. Yeah, block
3: each
4: other out. Or you'll block okay. each other out audio-wise. Time, I've been passing time. Watching trains go by all of my life, lying on the sand, watching seabirds fly, wishing there would be someone. Something's telling me it might be you. It's telling me it might be you all of my life.
3: Looking, Looking back on love first, go walking past. Perfect. <laughs> all something's telling me it might be you all of my life you do you could do this part Stephen.
4: steven less, <laughs> less of him is better <laughs> so love to me it's
3: getting lonely here and it's telling me it might be you all of my life (laughs) i've been saving love songs and
1: throw back to the bish album
2: <laughs> yeah, right, really.
1: which 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 vicodin is going to be uh which vicodin is necessary for that Stephen? <laughs>
4: <laughs> you're a brave man no no yeah can me take drugs <laughs> there was a one time in my life where i didn't smoke marijuana i was marijuana <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're gonna plug the new album again what when can we expect the book and the documentary
4: uh, the book should come out, hopefully, the end of this year or uh, beginning of next year. And um, the album's coming out tomorrow. I love the, I love Like Mother, Like Daughter. Great. Oh, Like Mother, Like Daughter? Great track. Great. She was three years old when the postcard came With just a lipstick a kiss and her mama's name Mama had to get away from the old drum Like mother, like daughter, like father, like
1: son Nice. The whole album's yeah. terrific. Thank you. And it's got the Jimmy Webb cover
4: that you played. Uh, it, it's a little bit of everything. I tried to, you know, because I'm a student of the Beatles, uh, you know, they always had like so much variety in their albums. You know, they had fast songs, slow songs, interesting sure. songs. You know, and I wanted to go that route. I wanted to have, you know, I didn't want to have an album. So many albums you get now, you know, that you play the song and then the next song sounds kind of the same and the next song sounds the same. I didn't want to do that. Well, I want to
1: plug this one. We'll talk about it later in the car. We got the title right. I also, for personal reasons, I love the Bish album and Careless. I think our listeners should get your first two records. Uh, Oh,
4: you didn't like Red Cab to Manhattan? I like Red
1: Cab to Manhattan, too. I like Sex Kittens Go to College, now that you asked. Sex Kittens Go to College. (laughs) Are you a Mamie Van
4: Doren fan? Where did that that lyric come from? Sex Kittens Go to College. (laughs) Sex Kittens Go to College. Sex Kittens Go to College. I wonder what they're studying tonight. Yep.
1: Did you want to ask even if he met Orson Welles on on the Henry yes. movie? Yes,
4: you know I was I was telling my manager I should have a special a part in my book for all the people I've met and shook hands with. You should who weren't looking at me, who <laughs> weren't, <laughs> weren't looking at me as they shook my hand. I shook Orson Welles, the great Orson Welles. He was looking off the side. Yeah, how you doing? Shake. I met Robert Redford at the Academy thing, and he was like, yeah, looking off to the side, and he's shaking my hand. (laughs) That's a book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There should be a big list, I
1: think. (laughs) Gilbert, You'll be jealous of Gilbert because I know you're a big Steely Dan fan, and last night Gilbert was with Donald Fagan, and in fact, you you stole something from him.
3: Yes, I went back to Donald Fagan's hotel room, and I stole, like, a sewing kit, uh, <laughs> Toothbrushing kit Shampoo Just last night uh, Yeah <laughs> That's hilarious I felt very proud of myself <laughs> Yes Get
1: Red Cab to Manhattan Uh, I love the uh, Little Italy song Which is not on that album But I love that oh, song Little Italy Little Italy yeah, is, kills me to play with my thumbs Oh I don't mind <laughs> I wouldn't make you play it But uh, the Bish album is great You got the Whistling Bichettes on there Bish's Hideaway Carrie's which, in the first row Yes, Carrie and, and I think Cameron Crowe was uh, was uh, was doing some yeah. backup vocals on that Cameron record. Cameron Crowe. No, he people. wasn't
4: doing background vocals. He was just What there. was he doing? Oh, you Oh, just, he was whistling. You made him See, a bad I, I had everybody whistle ah. the uh, Onward Christian Soldiers. Onward Christian Soldiers <laughs> cuz I used to hear that in, when I was in church when I was a kid. And it was like <whistles> <whistles> So
1: I had all these people <laughs> whistling. The you Whistling know. Bichettes. Yeah, The Whistling Bichettes. And, and get the book. You guys can find it. You know, we do a lot of music history on this show. We do episodes where okay. we just t- talk about song history, and your your book is perfect for that, Songs in the Rough. Did I mention the name of the book? I just did. No, my book. Oh, your ah! book. <laughs> what is your book called? <laughs> on
3: and Off. Love it. And, and you're one of the few people who remembers – my season of Saturday Night Live. Well,
4: I remember, uh, you know, I think, okay, let me just check to see who was on it. If my memory serves. I've always been a big fan of SNL. Even when they went down, <laughs> they were as funny. <laughs> the Gilbert year. I, st- I was loyal. I stuck with them. It's kind of like, I remember they, that happened with Perrier once. You know, they said, uh, uh, you know, about 30 years ago, I was such a Perrier fan. And they said, oh, there's something in the cap, and it's going to give you cancer. I was like, I'll drink it anyway. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I remember, um, you know, Elaine, uh, you know, uh, was on that show, your show, wasn't uh, she? Julia
1: Louis-Dreyfus?
4: No, yeah, she, it was she was the not season with right after. Oh, she was? Yeah. So did you? What was that woman's name? it's uh, at so the tip of my tongue, uh, was, she was they, friends with Woody
3: Allen. She produced. Oh, she yeah, right? yeah, was She was the producer.
4: But who? Who actually? I mean, uh, he left, right? Lauren Michaels. Ah, yeah. uh, yes, yes. So you had, wasn't she doing the show really? Oh well, she was the producer. Yeah, she picked the you, show. Gil. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, who was directing? Like that guy, Paul Dave Dave Wilson. Dave,
3: Dave Wilson.
4: Yeah, Dave, yeah. Wilson. Dave Wilson. Right. Yeah. Gilbert's cast was Joe Piscopo.
1: All right, uh, and Risley. Let me see if I can. Oh, do you it. didn't yeah. have that. Uh, you Jersey.
3: didn't have that weird guy who did Nancy Reagan. No,
1: Terry Sweeney was later. That
4: came. Yeah,
3: <laughs> he was a writer on my season. Right. Oof, that you was rough. You had Gail That's Mathias. Great. Yeah. Piscopo. Yes. You and Risley. Who am I leaving oh, right. out? Ann Risley. Yeah. Ann Risley, Donna. Uh, Dick, uh, 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 Denny Dillon. Denny Dillon. And Charlie Rocket. Gail oh, Dillon. Charlie Rocket. <laughs> oh, it. and and Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy. Oh, Eddie Murphy. Right, forgot oh, he him. he was in that. And Joe Piscopo. Na- Joe Piscopo. So that's like 81, 82? I, from 80 to 81. Oh, 80 to 81.
4: He's still very proud of it.
3: Yeah. He's oh, a really was- good Frank Sinatra, Joe Piscopo. <laughs> That. <laughs> it was, that was an embar. I'm so glad they don't show reruns of my season. <laughs> was it, did you guys have good writers? I
4: mean, where did it, was I don't it the know. Cast?
3: It just, I remembered it sucked all the way around.
1: <laughs> Steven, thanks for schlepping. Thanks Thank for doing this. You. Are you going to be in,
2: right, playing in New York
1: fun. anytime soon? No. Okay.
2: <laughs>
4: oh, wait, wait. Yeah, I had to Am think I? about that. Next year, yeah,
1: next year. Okay, we, we want to thank everybody. We want to thank the people on your team, the team at Jensen and Ryan Romanesco, for for making this possible. And uh, and and my manager Liz Camlin, and your manager, and your manager Liz. Yep. And uh, this was a blast. You're a sport what? to sing with Gilbert.
4: <laughs> <laughs> next time we'll yeah, talk was, about Andrew Gold. Uh, I was, I know, I had the weirdest thought. I thought, you know, you probably. You don't need a can of raid or anything in your in your kitchen. You could just like talk uh, and just at the insects and they die.
2: <laughs> 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 I,
3: I shouldn't even have mentioned that. I, I think he's going to sign know, off. Like, could could well, you do, do an imitation? Blah blah blah, and you, <laughs> the insects would be gone. Could you do an imitation of me talking to the insects? Hey, you crummy insects. You know, no. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I don't. It gives me a sore throat. Like, I can do Tom Waits, but I always get a sore throat afterward. <laughs>
3: Sign off. The man's got to go right. home. Go
4: to home. Ah,
3: okay. This is Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co host, Frank Santo Padre. And we've been talking to the man who may or may not have said that when you're in your mother's womb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you that back You hear
3: her heartbeat We don't know if he said it Or didn't say it If anyone knows If you were in a room and he said it Please tell us Stephen Bishop
1: Stephen, thanks for putting up with us <laughs> Alright, I had fun thank, I Drive thank carelessly you. Thank you
0: Well, she's kind and pretty Drives a big car too And when I hold her in laws, arms I never know She's got everything she needs What does she need me for? Just a crazy fool Coming back for more And I know She's not good Can't live her but I know I should Everybody says oh, Watch out boy She'll break your heart Like it was a toy If I only could. But when she touches me, makes me feel so good. My heart's in her hand, this is sure a mess. There's no way I say no when she says yes, yes, yes. yes. Take me, shake me, and tell me this ain't a dream. Everybody says, Watch out, boy. She'll break your heart like it was a toy. It's amazing colossal podcast is produced by dara godfried and frank Padre, with audio production by frank Verderosa. web and social media is handled by mike mcpadden greg Pear, and john bradley seals special audio contributions by john beach special thanks to john fodiatis john murray and paul rayburn